Modern Football Group. Same game, viewed differently. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Football Group podcast. Our guest this week is analytical kingpin Omar Chowdhury, the COO of the 21st Club. In today's episode, we will be discussing his career to date, the usage of analytics in football, plus his tips of getting into the industry. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and be sure to drop us a like and subscribe to keep up to date with all of our content. Good evening and welcome to episode three of the Modern Football Group podcast. I'm Jordan Barrow and my very special guest for this evening is analytics guru and chief intelligence officer of the 21st Club and 15th Club, Omar Chowdhury. Omar, welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for speaking to us. Great. No, thanks. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Our pleasure, our pleasure. Um, just to kick things off then, um, very simply, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Omar, where you grew up, how you got into football? Yeah, sure. So I, um, like anyone, I suppose, working in the industry, massive football fan from from a very young age and uh, very quickly had dreams dashed of playing football for simple reasons of not being very good um, and uh, always had kind of ambitions to, to work in the game. So the most obvious one, when I was relatively young was in media because that's obviously the way that you consume the sport um, and, and kind of was very interested in, in working in broadcast, working in print media. Um, and so that kind of took me, uh, that was my kind of angle of direction, I suppose, at, at university where uh, I was studying economics, but had still had kind of ambitions of working in sport um, and did a lot of student radio at, at university and, and began to get frustrated, I suppose, at the, um, the level of analysis and level of kind of insight that was being provided within uh, within football punditry and, and sports punditry in general, um, and so I was in a fortunate position where I was studying this this degree that was arming me with a lot of skills in order to to analyse um, things in a lot more objective detail um, than before, uh, and suddenly I realised that there was this opportunity within the industry um, in order to in order to work in a much more kind of analytical role as opposed to a, a media role. Um, and that came about through through a blog that I wrote, uh, started writing at university that effectively acted as as my CV. Um, and so, yeah, the, a series of kind of very fortunate events has, has uh, landed me where I am today. Um, but yeah, it um, all stems from that um, passion of, of watching football and wanting to be involved in, in the industry in some, some capacity. Interesting. So you mentioned you studied economics at uni. So was it sort of the general analytics you were kind of interested in from the outset or was it with a view of getting involved in football analytics later down the line? Yeah, so I didn't know what analytics was when I went to university. Um, the reason I chose to study economics was, A, I mean, it's just one of those degrees that you just do if you don't really know what you want to do and you're kind <laughs> of OK at maths and um, you you know, you think it's kind of about the world working, which it which it sort of is. I, I think the other thing about economics, it was at the time becoming a bit of a cool subject. So you had um, people like um, Tim Harford um, who were writing books around um, kind of economics being used in a much more kind of modern and sophisticated and interesting way. Um, and so that that kind of took my interest. But I didn't know what football analytics was. And to be honest, it didn't didn't exist to that degree until probably around um, 10 years ago or so where from moving clubs moved from data collection and, and the industry moved from data collection to genuine you know, analytical insight. Um, so that's that's been a big shift. And I was lucky to be at university at a time when um, when analytics was kind of taking off, I suppose. 
Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So just for our guests, then, can you give us a very sort of basic high level explanation about what analytics and economics are? Sure. So analytics is, I suppose, the the more sophisticated analysis of data um, that involves statistical modeling, machine learning, artificial intelligence, or all, the, all the buzzwords, if you like, um, to better understand data beyond its surface level. So it's beyond just kind of counting things and understanding the why of, of why we get outcomes and, and so on. Um, and then economics is fundamentally the study of, uh, I guess, the study of resources, the study of um, uh, of why things happen, why um, uh, why certain things, I guess, interact in the world in many ways. And a lot of it is obviously focused on on money. Um, but uh, but yeah, in, in studying economics, you you get access um, to courses that enable you to. Uh, analyze data in in much more detail than you would otherwise do in in other social science degrees in particular so yeah um yeah it's, it's often a very good degree and a, a lot of people who end up working in in analytical jobs often have done economics university mm. that sounds fascinating i mean the the kind of level of scope that you have not just to get into the sporting industry but just generally any corporate industry with that background is substantial so i can quite clearly see why you chose to go down that route um and obviously the sort of work that you've been putting in with your um with your writing and everything else that accompanied that to get you to where you are now it's it's all great stuff um i I think it's i think having a good kind of baseline degree i think there's um there's a temptation i think to do very essentially sports specific a lot of people wanting to get into into um sports analytics might be tempted to do very sports specific courses but my I would very much encourage people to go down a engineering, economics, statistics, physics, those types of backgrounds, um, because they form the foundation. They give you the foundational skills. Like it's very easy to acquire knowledge data down the line, but it's much harder to acquire skills. So doing that at university is, is definitely a big plus. No, and I think that's really encouraging as well, because a lot of people generally think that to get into the sport industry, you have to work within sports immediately do something sports affiliated and it's very sort of linear to get there but it's interesting to know that obviously you study your economics degree and you work the way you did to get within the industry so people are aware that you don't have to just stick to the sporting origins you can actually transition from that into the industry still Um, so that's really encouraging to learn Um, so to pick up on what you do now, so you're Chief Intelligence Officer at the 21st and 15th Club. Um, just for our listeners, can you clarify and tell us a bit about what a CIO does and what it involves sort of day to day, if there is such a day to day description yeah. of that role? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's a role that I guess it's not a title that I suppose exists um, in many jobs or, or rather when it does exist in, in other jobs, it, it can mean lots of different things. In my role, it's chiefly around the acting as a bridge between the analytical world and and the sporting world. Um, so a lot of my job is communicating messages, communicating ideas that that come out of the analysis that we do, understanding the needs of our clients, understanding the needs of the marketplace, and, and being able to to bridge that gap uh, between the two. So typical day or week for me looks um, is, is generally in kind of three areas. Um, so firstly, with the clients that we have, it will be um, working on them on projects um, and helping solve whatever problems that they have and whatever they've kind of engaged us for. Uh, they'll obviously be out in the marketplace speaking to potential new clients and, and helping them, I guess, understand the 
the benefits of, of using software analytics to, to help um, solve their problems. And then the third one, it would be very much kind of marketing and, and thought leadership um, and, you know, helping, I guess, articulate our business and the value we add to, to a wider industry rather than just specific clients. So, yes, it's a fun, diverse role. You get a lot of different different projects. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's my role is very much sitting between those those two areas. That oh, sounds great. So in terms of um, what you're doing now, then, in terms of the sporting element of it, what sort of sporty stuff do you get up to in your role? What sort of analytics does that involve exactly? Yeah, it, so it really varies. Um, our main um, our main specialisms are in um, kind of linking sporting excellence, sporting value to, to commercial value. Um, so understanding that that could be for a football club, linking you know how well they do on the, the pitch to potential revenues down the line so how what are the different levers that they can pull in the long term in order to improve that whether it's in recruitment or succession planning or whatever for a league it might be opt- um, optimizing your competition in order to attract more viewers to your competition and, and watch the games uh, for a brand it might be telling better stories around the sport um, such that more people kind of have an affinity to your brand and therefore you gain greater value out of the sponsorship that you have um, but it's really linking those that that's the sporting aspect with the the kind of commercial aspect of the sport, um, which uh, yeah, the, often that that link is missing. That sounds brilliant. I mean, the, the sort of invasive level of detail that you have to go into to materialise the sort of information that your clients are after, it must be quite an exciting buzz, really, to kind of you know be able to present that data back to them and add that sort of value that which gives it you know that sort of that sort of delivery that they're after um certainly does sound very very interesting indeed um so let's kind of expand a bit more then in terms of um how economics and data and sports sort of interlinked and and what we're seeing sort of um topically at the moment so you've mentioned you come from an economics background obviously the data stats numbers that sort of thing is becoming much more prominent in today's game so being a numbers man yourself do you think that the impact of this is a good thing or do you feel it may potentially contribute to the potential undoing of the fundamental essence of the game? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think, um, I mean, obviously, if, uh, I actually got asked this recently in uh, speaking to a group of technical directors, and I think there is a le- legitimate argument to say that <clears throat> data is is not good for sport. Um, a, good, a couple of good examples for that. Um, in uh, golf, um, it's you know become apparent that driving success is pretty much everything or well, not everything but it's a big ch- a big reason for success and so you're getting de- um, development of technology in the in the clubs you're getting kind of golfers themselves focusing lo- a lot more on driving um and perhaps some of the nuance of the game is is lost and uh, you know constantly having to um redo courses and whatever it is so you lose some of that variety in the sport similarly in basketball uh, again don't profess to be a basketball expert by any stretch but you've lost any kind of I think mid-range shooting I think it's called or mm. all you've got now are three pointers and people trying to get um under under the hoop um and that again a lot of people will bemoan the lack of variety that that basketball now has because you don't have the kind of different types of um of movement and that's come out of analytics similarly in in football um you know you've got um the knowledge of of the kind of low probability of scoring from outside the area has led to mm a reduction in number of shots outside the area which again arguably is is less interesting for the sport because you have less variety 
Formula One is a sport that is essentially, you know, well, it's a, a bit of a, a exaggeration, but in many ways, it's a computer simulation because yeah. <laughs> you know the, these drivers are so good, uh, and they're so, and the teams are so tapped into all the different possible outcomes that races can be. Not always. There's been some good recent examples of that not being the case, but uh, can be quite predictable. Um, mm. So there, you know, all that being said, um, I think my belief is that ultimately actually the use of data can enhance the the joy in the sport so you know if you're a, if you're a club obviously you, you have the opportunity to potentially sign more undervalued players get better value for your money achieve more in the game win more trophies and that has a huge return for your fans if you're a competition and you're finding that fans are less and less interested in your competition then using analytics to uncover well what other things that they actually care about and how do you optimize your competition in order to have games on at better times or have a better playoff structure or whatever it is um, all those things can help people enjoy the sport a lot more. So I see both sides of the argument. Uh, the latter side is is the one that I'm, I suppose, most engaged with at, at the mm. moment. I certainly understand um, the argument that it's um, data isn't isn't always the best thing for sport. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of um, various fours and against with regards to it. I mean, me personally, I'm quite a fan of it because I just find it generally interesting myself. Um, I don't know, sort of within your experience, are you finding that more teams are beginning to utilise the feature of analytics a lot more? Um, and do you feel that there's more of a reliance domestically or would you say it's being used more internationally? I think um, within the UK, uh, clubs are generally ahead of the curve when it comes to, to analytics. Um, you know, it's, it's vast majority of clubs have some kind of data in their processes to what extent that's actually influencing decision making can vary quite a bit um, but generally I'd say English British clubs are, are ahead of the curve in that respect and, and often um, uh, MLS teams are out in mm. the states as well um, it's changing year on year though you're getting smarter and smarter ownership groups that are bringing in um, bigger teams in that respect but yeah it's um, it's certainly not it's not going away now um, which I think um, you know, if you go back 10 years, I think a lot of people weren't sure the direction it would take. Yeah, it's certainly developing, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, we've, we've seen, you know, likes of Man City and, and Liverpool sort of recruiting in-house staff and in-house analysts to conduct this sort of research, um, whether it's on the pitch or off it. Um, do you feel like the level of data harvesting is something that's possibly accessible to clubs at every level or do you feel like it's almost something where it's predominantly featured more in the bigger leagues like the Premier League so for example could you see a lot of League Two sort of teams utilising this feature or or is it something that's you know generally contained to the Premier League and the higher sort of levels of competition? No I, th I think it exists at all levels um, I'll give you an example we work with the um, Canadian Premier League which the you know, pretty much a startup league has first season in 2019. You know, seven now uh, eight teams, seven eight teams in the league. Um, it's you know very much a, a young league. They don't pay big salaries by any stretch. Um, you know, the, the quality of football is probably comparable to um, you know national league level in the UK, maybe maybe um, bottom of VFL level. Um, but we use um, some of the models that we've developed to help them on their international recruitment. So um, yeah, it's certainly not. Um, it, within the limits of, of the very top clubs um, data the um, development the capture rather than collection of data is becoming cheaper and cheaper um, 
with with various kind of automated systems now so i don't see any reason why um a club at any level um can't invest in it the, the biggest the biggest hurdle is um ultimately the the quality of people you need to be able to get in to, to analyze that data um you know a lot of the a lot of the potential analysts that you might want to hire have the opportunity to go work in finance or insurance or, or whatever it is and so you know a league two club may struggle to compete for um for that kind of talent um but there will always be people who who want to work in football because it's it's a really interesting industry to work in mm, mm, absolutely i mean i guess with the the sort of levels of detail that are going into analytics now um i mean certainly um before it started getting expanded the way it has originally the assessment of a player for example was usually down to sort of you know goals assists trophies one that sort of variable However, such metric variables seem to have been extended. So we're seeing things like, you know, expected goals, XG, that sort of thing, among other things. Um, within this remit of this extended detail of analysis, um, are there any areas of analytics, for example, perhaps like XG, um, that you say are potentially overused or rarely represent the outcome of something that adds any value or? Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't speak. I wouldn't uh, talk to knowing, you know, what goes on at, at every club. Um, I think the the number one question we ask in in our work is um, is always so what. So if you're presenting any kind of metric or any kind of data point, um, you have to be able to say so what. So in the context of recruitment, if you're saying a player makes X passes or these passes of export and Y value, whatever it is, you've got to be able to say why that's relevant why that's interesting why that's important for your club um and every data point can have that if interpreted in the right way or um or rather a lot of data points can have that if interpreted in the right way um but there's no there's no silver bullet in this stuff it's it's always a kind of aggregation of of a lot of different pieces of information that clubs need to account for whenever making any kind of decision so um yeah, I, I think um, if you're able to answer so what to a metric, then um, then you're probably onto a winner. Mm -hmm. So I guess with this sort of level of analysis, there's various directions that you can go in really kind of teetering array at the details. So, for example, if we are talking about expected goals, what that value looks like, how that certain player, for example, is being assessed. Um, they can also look at factors about, you know, how many opportunities have they had to score a goal? Would they have had more opportunities at a different club? Um, is it due to their positioning? Like, I guess there's kind of almost a limitless boundary with regards to how deep you can kind of navigate around all of the, the different metrics and the different stats and that sort of thing. Um, I guess, what would you say are the sort of main core features of analytics that people look for uh, within sort of the footballing remit? Yeah, so again, I'd kind of go back to um, to the so what. So a lot of work, what we do is is trying to capture um, the knowledge that exists within the game and efficiencies that exist within the game. So a lot of our um, player models, for example, are based on looking at things like um, minutes played and level of club that you play for, uh, as opposed to all, all the kind of detail that you described there. Uh, because we believe that actually gives you, uh, not only do we believe, we know that it gives you a kind of truer representation of, of quality of, of players within the game. Um, so that 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 is something that I think the, um, the industry is kind of um, grappling with in many ways, like what, what information do we pass through? And I think there is this kind of 
recognition that more data isn't necessarily better data and um, mm. sometimes actually from some of the most basic information you can you can tell quite a lot yeah um, you can get some of the context from some of the more detailed data so it really varies like every every club does it differently i think there's no as i say there's no silver bullet um but mm. i think it's very possible to get lost in the noise of, of so many metrics and variables yeah absolutely absolutely no that's great omar thank you um Let's talk about the uh, 21st club in a bit more detail then. So you've been there over seven years. Um, interesting origin in terms of it being incepted over a bottle of wine between uh, uh, Brentford's director of football, Rasmus Ankerson, and uh, Blake Wooster. Um, also, the definition of being the 21st club in the league, um, I think, plays quite nicely. And what I'm keen to understand is your sort of strapline, your mission in terms of changing the conversation of football. Um, can you shed some light on what, what you mean by that? Yeah, so I think, as you said, the, the kind of foundation or the origin story for the business was that idea of winning by thinking differently and, and trying to um, outsmart uh, competitors. If we were the 21st club in the league, how would we go about that? And I think um, the business was formed at a time where there was increasing change. There was a bit of a groundswell around analytics, um, you know, that Moneyball had come out as a film and there was a feeling that there was a lot of data, but not a lot of meaning being derived from that data. And so the idea was that not just through data, but through technology as well and through just general strategic thinking, there was an opportunity to to change the way and, and capitalise on that changing way of um, discussions that was happening in, in football at a, at a boardroom level. Uh, now that the business has moved on significantly since then, um, we don't just work with clubs, we work with leagues, we work with brands, we work with betting media um and federations and so on and and across multiple sports now so the, the the business has kind of developed from from that original idea but i think the core essence of of um thinking about things in a more critical way it remains and, and remains a big part of our dna excellent and can you just tell us a bit more about sort of what 21st club do so what are your service offerings um obviously you've explained the part that you play in this role but just for those listening and anybody want to, who may want to sort of you know engage with 21st club or understand what they're doing or potentially hire them what what sort of things do you guys offer yeah so our core capabilities are in obviously analytics um technology design and, and strategy um and we predominantly work uh, with organizations within or uh, around sport um uh, and really helping them hopefully unlock um, sporting excellence um, in order to help them realize uh, commercial value. So, um, you know, it's, it's the work we'll do with uh, with clubs might be trying to help them uh, improve their um, sporting operations, typically in the kind of mid to long term. So that might be around recruitment or, or succession planning uh, with leagues. Um, as I mentioned before, it might be around kind of competition optimization. Um, with brands, it might be activations. With uh, betting companies, it might be pricing. But all of it is designed to to link itself to uh, generating greater commercial value for, for those organisations. So that might be winning more games, attracting more viewers, having more people recognise your brand. Um, you know, having more people um, place a bet um, on, on that price. So um, fundamentally, what we have is a is a set of capabilities within the business that can be i guess assigned to lots of different uh, verticals within the industry and um and for that reason it's quite quite an interesting and diverse place to work because you get a, a big range of, uh, of opportunities of, of things to work on that sounds brilliant 
Absolutely. And I also note as well that uh, there's a subsidiary of this called the 15th Club, which focuses on golf, as we uh, sort of touched on a bit more earlier, um, seems to sort of carry the same foundations as the 21st Club. Can you tell us what the story behind the 15th Club is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, about probably about three, two or three business uh, years after the business was was founded, um, the, one of the founders, Blake, had had an opportunity to meet Darren Clark, who was um, set to be the the Ryder Cup captain for for 2016. Um, and he saw some of the things that we were doing in football, and he thought that's absolutely what I need in in golf. Um, and so, partnered with um, with Darren and, and Team Europe at the at the 2016 Ryder Cup. Um, sadly, didn't didn't end in a victory, um, but the European Tour and and the kind of relevant parties were sufficiently kind of impressed and saw the direction in which golf was going that they knew they needed this again for, for 2018. Uh, and over that period of time, we were able to um, to develop a, a proposition in golf that is very similar to what, what we have in football, um, you know, similar verticals working in, in media, brands, betting and, and in the pro space as well. Um, but very much um, obviously focusing on um, I guess some of that success story that that came about in 2018 when when the team when the guys in the in the 15th club team were able to to kind of help uh, Thomas Bjorn and um, and Team Europe get over the line there. So yeah, been been an interesting story. It's again kind of uh, taken us into other sports as well that we work in, um, uh, and I guess showed for us the the opportunities that exist for analytics, not just in, in football but outside of football too. Wow, it's, it's incredible how something like that simply materialised from a conversation. And I guess the real core benefit, like you just touched on, is the fact that, you know, analytics has such a wide expanse of capability, whether it's in football or golf or boxing or basketball. I mean, it all, the, the, you know, the sort of core functions to what you guys do and produce can be used in a similar fashion throughout. And I think that's that's fantastic. It's, uh, it's really good to see um, how well you guys are doing, really is. Um, so just as an example then, so between the 21st Club and 15th Club, in terms of how you conduct your sort of research, the software you use, um, the fundamentals, the strategies, that sort of thing, are they fairly similar then? Or are there some sort of key differences between the two um, which you use independently of each other? Yeah, so I think um, you know the, the the core capabilities that we have, um, as I mentioned right at the top, you know we've got some core skills around data and, and technology and, and strategy and design. Those, those skills don't change per sport. Um, you know, you, you approach problems in the same way, you collect and store data in the same way. You just apply it in different ways. Um, so you just see what the problem is and and you adjust it accordingly. So um, you know instead of trying to work out I don't know um, the the probability of a player scoring from X position. You're changing that to probability of a player making a putt from Y position. You know, mm. the, the, there's parallels across the game, but the way that across the sports, but the way that you think about tackling the problems don't really change. So um, yeah, it's um, it's kind of um, that there's probably more in common between sports, and I think people realise in, in the way that you, you tackle problems. Mm. No, interesting. So, for example, if I was somebody that wanted to be like Omar Chowdhury and I wanted to get into analytics, you know, before I do my economics degree, that sort of thing. Is there any sort of mainstream type of software or information that I could study or learn, which kind of give me skills to develop my data visualization and my research skills? Is there anything that you'd recommend or suggest for, for anybody listening? Yeah. So, I mean, we, as you can imagine, we, um, 
in our business we get dozens of CVs through um, every month um, and the key thing you know candidates that stand out are the ones that are able to differentiate themselves in um, different ways because as I mentioned at the top of the call um, you know my um, yeah, I loved football every CV that we get through um, very well comes through <laughs> love sport like it's yeah. not it's not a differentiating factor to, to love sport um, what can differentiate you is is the skills that you have um, so <clears throat> whether that's kind of well a lot of the time people wanted to go into more analytical roles and um, that will be some kind of coding capability um, but the key thing is being able to demonstrate that in some way so whether that's writing a blog doing videos doing a podcast whatever it is and being able to demonstrate the knowledge and skills that you have around um, around football analytics. So developing coding skills is, is a big one for those who are wanting to, to kind of become data scientists. No, that's great. I'm a solid advice that um, for anybody listening as well who wants to sort of get into that field. Um, so let's go into some of your sort of supplementary side projects, um, sort of past, present, future. So I know you've done a bit of journalism and we touched on it when you're at university so we've seen that you've uh, written for wired and five added minutes um are you still involved in sort of drafting blogs and sort of um literature of this nature um and any other written pieces and if so um where would you um point us in the right direction of where we can find it or if not or can we expect any sort of similar content in the future if this is an endeavor you're looking to continue of course uh yeah i mean i will often be invited to write in, diff in different publications, which is which is really nice. Um, you know, it's a good opportunity to talk about the business and the type of work we do. So it tends to be somewhat ad hoc. Um, but yeah, mo most of most of the work that I end up doing and, and writing about is is often on our website, um, but also yeah, in some of the publications you mentioned there. Mm. So is it something that you generally enjoyed or is it something that you thought would help sort of propel you into the footballing career or? Yeah, so I mean, my blog, which was five added minutes, was uh, was designed to be a bit of a CV for me, and and mm. certainly was. Um, you know, to to my advice earlier, you know, it was my ability to showcase my skills at the time. Um, but since getting into the industry, it's, it's obviously about promoting what we do as a business and, and the, the the capabilities and, and technology that we have. So, um, writing a sport business, or writing in wide, or, or wherever it is, is is something that I enjoy doing for sure. Because um, it's an opportunity, as I say, to to celebrate a lot of the work that that goes on in the rest of the organisation. Excellent. And to add to your um, significant array of skills, um, you also do some podcasting as well. So you're a co-host on the podcast, the Dan and Omar Show, which is one of my favorites and also our previous guest uh, Daniel G is involved in um so basically in essence from what I've listened to um you discuss sort of topical sporting events um offer golden industry nuggets and other things conversationally discussed and advised which I find really useful um can you tell us um a bit more about the podcast and for those who aren't aware of it yet and what made you start doing them yeah so, so Dan and I have known each other for a number of years now we, we worked on uh, a couple of um, football club transaction uh, projects. Um, so Dan and, and his team at, at Sheridan's will be doing a lot of the commercial due diligence, legal due diligence, uh, and we will do a lot of the sporting due diligence. Um, so we've come across, we came across each other a number of times and um, gotten to know each other. And uh, hopefully, well, we think we're relatively like-minded and like to think we've got kind of big ideas and big voices to talk about and <laughs> talk about the game. So. Um, yeah, we've been we've been doing that for for a few months now, and um, it's good. It's a good opportunity to talk about some of the big issues that are within the game. Takes a step back from 
you know the results on the weekend to think more about the direction in which the sport is heading and and, and why we see some of the things that we see in, in the wider industry so yeah it's um it's good fun we, we're now on clubhouse um which which is a great little platform i think um uh, provided you've got an iphone which i, which I only discovered the, the other week but um yeah it's um yeah it's an opportunity to have quite a casual discussion i think about about serious issues in in what is uh, an increasingly commercialized um and um and under the microscope industry so was it just a case of you guys sort of getting together and thinking hey should we make a podcast or was it a case of you know you you saw a bit of a niche to which you both can add some serious value and thought do you know what we're missing a trick here we should do something like this sort of how was it incepted i think more of the former yeah uh, yeah uh, <laughs> we've, we've done bits of content before myself and dan and and it's been relatively well received um so yeah i think the opportunity to try and spark a conversation in sport is is something that interests us we like talking to interesting people mm. um uh, so that's that's given us a bit of a platform to do that um so yeah it's it's, it's good fun uh, i um but yeah i i uh, it's kind of like i guess it sits alongside all the marketing activities that we do uh, within the business as well yeah no I, I think it's great because you both have so much to offer from your respective fields um and it just it, it gives so much like creative content and different sort of um, compelling arguments to a certain, you know, depending on whatever topic you guys are discussing at the time. Um, and I think having the background that both of you do, it really does add some, you know, generate some real interest into it. So, yeah, I'm absolutely a huge fan of it. I think it's great. Uh, um, <laughs> no problem at all. Um, no, that's great, Omar. Thank you so much. And what we do on our podcast is we usually conclude it with something called the Focus Five. So essentially, it's five questions that are focused on career steps and advice to give mm -hmm. the listeners who want to be, you know, the next you, how to break into the industry, that sort of thing. Um, so I guess just to possibly expand on a couple of bits that we picked up earlier, just so we can sort of get down to the granular detail, um, just to summarise for us, how did you get into the industry? Yeah, so I um, write my blog, as I say, was was my CV, and I was able to share that with with people that I looked up to in the industry. Uh, and I was fortunate enough that got picked up by a few different people. Um, one of them was a guy called Ian Graham at, at Deck Tech, who's now head of research at Liverpool. Um, gave me an opportunity at, at Deck Tech at the time, uh, which gave me a great leg up to then meet with Prozone and, and Blake, who hired me there in um, out of university. So um, the the blog for me was uh, was everything. Um, it's it was um, you know I'm, I'm really proud of some of the the work I did in that. And I, I, you know, look, I was very fortunate. This was this was over ten years ago now, when um, there wasn't a huge amount of people online who were who were blogging and writing about football analytics. So it was much easier to stand out from the crowd. Um, but you know, plenty of people that have gotten into our organisation have, have done it off the back of that kind of work. So. I definitely encourage people to, to keep doing that as well. And what would you say are the biggest challenges of getting into your industry and how did you overcome them? Yeah, so I think, um, again, I alluded to it a bit earlier, but I think um, being able to showcase skills rather than knowledge is, is the most important thing. So, you know, everyone's got sport knowledge, football knowledge, and everyone watches the games, everyone's kind of passionate about it. Um, so the thing that will differentiate you is not because you know who, Know, Sheffield Wednesday's right back is it's going to differentiate you because you're able to understand what that player can do in, at a Premier League level once you adjust for his numbers or whatever it is. Um, 
that's and that will come from some kind of analytical capability in obviously in the field that I work in. So that is um, the thing that I would focus on is, is really kind of honing and developing those skills because the passion will kind of develop the knowledge regardless. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And if you can explain to our listeners as well, the sort of route that you took to become a CIO. Yes, um, I guess my roles developed a little bit from being a data scientist when I was first brought into the industry. Um, I, I'm not supremely technical by any stretch. Um, my um, skills have always been in communicating and translating ideas from, from data into uh, into insight for, for clients. So um, I've slowly kind of developed my role over time to be much more on the kind of front line of um, of being with clients rather than necessarily in the in, um doing the analysis um and so yeah the development of my skills has been much more kind of client-facing than has been um i suppose analytical um but but i needed those skills to get into the industry in the first place yeah yeah definitely and i know this is probably quite a loaded question probably quite challenging given uh, the amazing stuff that you've achieved but what would you say is the best thing about your career to date oh uh, well um <laughs> uh i mean for me i'm so lucky to be in an, in a job that gives me so much diversity each day i i was actually speaking to a colleague on on friday about the various things that, that i've been working on in, and it was so varied it was working with the league on three different types of projects at once um on ranging from their kind of competition structure to the way that they run academies um it was working with a club on a on a technology build um it was working with a brand on on an activation and is working with another club on a, on a head coach hire um and that was all within you know one one day of work so i'm quite lucky um to to have those experiences i know I, I certainly don't take it for granted um so for me to have that experience every day and to have a team around me um within the business that that are able to originate those opportunities and, and have the same passion about those opportunities is certainly something that, that i'm really grateful for and finally, what advice would you give to those who want to be just like you in the industry? And is there any sort of nuggets of advice that you'd like to give? Yeah, yeah I, I suppose the the, um, the key point around um, being able to showcase your skills, just find find the means to do it. Um, and it doesn't matter what you're interested in, just kind of put it out there and, and don't be afraid to get knocked down. Don't be afraid to you know, look at some of the stuff I wrote when I first started blogging. You know, most of it was crap. It's um, <laughs> come along. Uh, I like to think it came along, you know, as I, as I kept going at it. So um, you, you have to be able to differentiate yourself um, in the sports industry. Um, you know, it's so competitive. There's so many people that want to work in it. Um, so kind of sitting still, you're going backwards, really. I, I think you need to be able to to really think about what is it that that is your niche and what is it that, that makes you different about the skills that you have. Fantastic. So everybody listening, as well as the academic foundation, it's important to have a side hustle affiliated to your passion and niche yourself to be just like Omar, who's done incredibly well, humble, educated, wholesome, and an absolute gent. Omar, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, you know, I wish you all the best in the future. Many thanks, Jordan. I appreciate it. Modern Football Group. Same game, viewed differently.